today on CityCast Chicago. For the last 30 years, residents in the largely black first congressional district haven't really had to think too hard about who to vote for. I mean, Bobby Rush was pretty much always a shoe in He was the only candidate to ever beat Barack Obama in an election. But Rush is retiring, and the candidates looking to replace him, well, there's a lot of them. 21 on the ballot. We're going to the first district to learn more about its history as the center of black political power and what residents want now. It's Tuesday, May 31st. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. We asked you to bring us to a place that is special to the 1st District, and we're here at the Light of Truth, Ida B. Wells Monument. Why'd you pick this location? Well, I picked it because, as a journalist, I'm inspired by um, the work and the legacy of Ida B. Wells, and also because this is the neighborhood that my father grew up in. This monument here in this neighborhood where the public housing you know, one stood in the area toward that way, the Ida B. Wells homes. I don't know, it just points to the legacy of so many things. It points to the legacy of public housing here in Chicago. It points to the legacy of black Chicago really getting its start here, but having to be forced to live here because of um, restrictive covenants and redlining and all these things. But I don't know, it also shows the beauty and the resiliency of, of black people and specifically like black Chicagoans. Tony Hill is a reporter with The Tribe. How far back does like political power for black Chicagoans go in the first district? It goes all the way back to 1929 with the first election of the first U.S. representative, Oscar DePriest. So he was elected in 1929 and he held that office for um, a couple of terms, many terms, actually. And then from there, from 1929 until now, there's always been a black man specifically in power, the black population being limited to the first congressional district area. So they just kind of had a a really strong like voting block here for for black Chicago. Oscar DePriest, as you mentioned, going back to 1929, is the first black congressman elected in the modern era, like the 20th century. Then you got talk about the Democratic machine, William Dawson, who held the office, I think, until he died. There have been a few people who've held the office until they died. He was the first black congressman to lead a congressional committee. And then Harold Washington, of course, the, the first black mayor of Chicago. William Dawson specifically is someone I think people should know and recognize. And also um, Ralph Metcalf and and Harold Washington and just how Harold Washington kind of, you know, studied under these specific people and just how specifically Ralph Metcalf and also Harold Washington kind of just broke off from the Democratic machine and kind of like forged their own path and and became um, people who were trying to do things for their people, so to speak, and not just for the express interests of the, the Democratic Party. At one point, I saw in your piece, they called Dawson the most powerful black man and black political, um, black politician in America. Um, we know Harold Washington's legacy, Metcalf, even for politicians. I mean, this was a, a Olympic gold medalist. Um, so just the impressive people who've come through the first district what this district has meant to um, black Chicago and also just like the United States in general, you know, the influence, you know, Dawson had over politics in Washington, like 
gathering up the black vote to elect, you know, JFK. Some of the people I talked to brought up that history and I wasn't aware that until I started Googling, like, oh God, like it's literally been a black man since, you know, 1929. Like my maternal grandmother was born in 1929. So throughout her life, there was always, you know, a black person representing the district. And I kind of feel like that's also saying something too. Like, yes, we were forced to live here, but at the time, you know, this was a thriving place. There were businesses, like all, they didn't have to leave their neighborhood you know, to, to go and do anything. They had all they needed right here. So for someone black to be able to represent those interests is, is also cool as well. And then of course you got Bobby Rush. How big of a name is Bobby Rush, not only throughout the first congressional district, but in US Congress history? So, you know, he helped form the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. So, right, you're wearing <laughs> a Black Panther hoodie. It would be a system that have never been on, on the face of the earth before. That's why you can't put no name on it. See, we view the problem as, as, as not only capitalism, but racism also. I mean, he's been <laughs> basically my whole life. He's been, you know, in Congress for almost 30 years and some of the things around civil rights, even just recently the passage finally, but sadly, of the Emmett Till, you know, anti-lynching law. So some of the things that he's been doing over the years have been, you know, important to um, our country and also to black Chicago. The newly redrawn 1st Congressional District stretches as far north as 16th Street to as far south as suburban Kankakee. It has the second largest concentration of black people. The 2nd District now has the most. But I also think too significant is to talk about the population loss that black Chicago has, you know, had over the time, honestly, throughout Bobby Rush's tenure. So there's been, you know, um, hundreds, I believe, 200,000 people, um, black people that have left, you know, through... I believe like a 10 year or so period. So I think that also um, is something to consider too, is just how do we engage or get back that lost population, you know, back to Chicago? Or is that possible? In addition to population loss, what would you say are the biggest issues concerning residents of the first district? Um, I hate talking, <laughs> mentioning, this, mentioning this, but it is, I know it's, it's crime, you know, crime and policing is a really big thing here. I also think economic development and I also think too, when a lot of these projects in CHA homes were torn down, a lot of people were forced or moved out to the south suburbs. So now those completely look different and the economic opportunities there are not really great. And housing, I think housing is a big problem right now. Rent <laughs> being what it is two years or three years into this pandemic and the housing market, like how difficult and challenging it is for people my age to purchase property. I really commend you for covering this primary, my G. 21 candidates and about 16 of them were at the recent forum that was taking place in Inglewood that you covered. Are there three or four names that are really starting to push their way to the front? We've got alder people, state representatives, local activists. Bobby Rush did endorse Karen Nordington Reeves. So she was someone um, that I was listening to. And also, you know, we have some a family affair kind of there's uh, Reverend Jeffrey, Jesse Jackson's son, Jonathan, he's running as well. And also Jamal Cole um, from, you know, a community organizer. So and I think he was the first person actually that announced that he was going to run for for the seat. But in terms of people that I think are, are kind of like, well, at least like from what I took, 
I, I did like Kirby Bergen's um, his responses about policing. Most of the candidates seem to still believe that we should have police. And I think he was more looking at it in terms of a health centered approach. So looking at science and looking at the root causes of violence. That's not to say like other people don't believe that, but I think he was more like we need to look at um, how we could be funding violence prevention programs. We need to be looking at mental health. We need to be looking at how all these issues impact violence and not just using the police to um, kind of quell that. Like that's, we've learned and research shows that that's not always the answer, more police. With such a packed field with only so few primaries left or so many forms left before June 28th, how are people differentiating themselves? I don't see a lot of first district commercials or anything. So how are people getting the message out? I feel like these forums are an opportunity for people to do that, but I also think it might be challenging as well because it's so many people. It's just really, really a lot of people and a lot to sift through before, you know, June 28th. But actually just driving over here, I saw a huge poster for Alderman Dow, um, which had a QR code on it on the side of a building. So I think that's interesting, like an interesting way to, to reach people. And it looked like it was near, um, like I was near Truth like coming down um, Pershing or 39th Street. So I think they're trying to find like innovative ways to reach people, you know, using smartphones. We not only follow in this primary because we live in it, because they're black, but also because the winner of the Democratic nomination is likely to win the seat, right? Does the GOP have any chance with the candidates that they're running to, you know, say the none of these first timers in this particular position are able to do it, try something different? I don't think so. I think, like you said, because this is a historically Democratic um, district and is, has elected Democrats and kind of like follows and subscribes to like Democratic um, ideologies, I don't really see it. Um, there was a young man, um, Gino Young, I believe, who is a uh, black Republican. So I think the Democrats might have this this area kind of on lock. <laughs> We literally get paid to talk about this and to research all of these people. As you talk to voters, are, are they uh, letting you know that it's you know, overwhelming to have 21 candidates uh, and they don't know who they're voting for? What, what are you hearing from people in the first district? I've heard literally that, that it's just too many people um, and that even, you know, the idea, because I mean, I'm not a math whiz, but I'm just thinking like, if the results come out, you know, some people are probably not going to make over a certain percentage of a vote. So isn't it kind of a waste, so to speak? You know what I mean? Like, should should people just, I mean, drop out and like let the contenders who might be able to win win? Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of it's just too many people and we're we don't we're not familiar with enough of them. What are people's hopes? for the first district what when you talk to residents what what do they want to see brought to so many different neighborhoods i mean so much of black chicago from here down to kankakee is different when you go from neighborhood to neighborhood uh what are people hoping for uh when they look towards the future i just think people want to be able to live um be safe have affordable housing have schools where their children have all the resources that they need so they can learn and they can thrive. Um, people have careers where they can save money for the future and also their needs with healthcare and um, mental health services. And I think all those things are, are things that people are, are looking forward to. 
There will be a new uh, leader in the first district for the first time in 30 years. Uh, we'll see who of this 21 people it'll be. Uh, thank you so much, Tonya, uh, for coming out with us. Thank you for having me. This was fun. It's a beautiful day out here in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> After a couple of delays, early voting begins today in Chicago. We got links to where and how you can vote in the show notes. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. A man from Melrose Park was charged with arson and first-degree attempted murder for violently attacking Joseph Cromelis, a.k.a. Chicago's walking man. Joseph Guardia allegedly set on fire the walking man who was sleeping on Laura Wacker Drive at the time. The Crosstown Classic this weekend was split between the Cubs and the Sox, but unfortunately for my Southsiders, despite getting a late win on Sunday, they continue to be bitten by the injury bug as shortstop Tim Anderson heads to the IL with a significant groin strain. And some good news to get you through. Uptown Art Week starts tomorrow. You can see more than 150 pieces of art this week, and hopefully you can catch a live painting throughout the neighborhood. For more Chicago news and events, subscribe to our newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Uh, one more time. Oh.